and then you dab. But this is an audio medium, so you can't hear me dab. Probably, unless I dab hard enough. Let's see. Hey, Zach. Hey, Sirtis. So I was, um, I was, and still am, a civically minded person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And as such, I, uh, I go to things where I can volunteer sometimes. And let me tell you, uh, civic, civically minded volunteer positions are not good at, at place thinging. Um, What? By <laughs> what does that mean? By which I mean, uh, if you show up to the things to do the volunteering and they they have given you a spot, usually that spot will be very large and there will be no good way to decide uh, where the volunteers are all meeting up. For example, oh. I went to volunteer and canvas and the meetup spot was a coffee shop. Uh, and for those of you who have never been to a coffee shop before, there are lots of places in a coffee shop. And if you don't know who the person you're trying to meet is, and they don't have a placard up or something, and they just don't have a good way to signify that, hey, this is the place to come if you want to do the volunteering, then you can't find them. And it does not work. And you have to recognize them because you look them up on Facebook and then watch as they leave and be like, oh, wait, no, I must be missing my chance. They were ready before. They just didn't have a placard or anything. Or if you if you give give a whole park to meet in, and the park is four blocks large, oh, that's maybe bad. say which corner of the park or uh, what part of the park, which park part. Right. Also show up at the right time so when people uh, circumnavigate the entire park, they will locate you. <laughs> These are some of my desires. I feel like they're not that unconventional. I agree. Have you considered putting a, oh, what was the, what's the company, Tile? Mm. Have you considered putting one of those in their backpack? See, the problem is I didn't know the people beforehand. Okay. So, but you do know their Facebook, right? Right. Okay. Now, considering they're Actually, working... Actually, no. I knew their name, and I knew roughly where they probably lived. So I looked up their name and where they probably lived and found their Facebook. Right, right. So, considering they're working in politics or adjacent to politics, mm-hmm. they probably use the same password for everything. Right. Okay. So, since you know their Facebook, you can just brute force that. Okay. Once you have found that, you can get their, like, Apple ID or, like, Android equivalent, and then, like, do a find my phone. Mmm. Okay. Okay. I dig. My plan was just, uh, you got to do the what three words, which is they've, they've covered the entire planet in oh, one yeah, meter yeah. by one meter squares. And then you can use three words to designate which of the one meter by one meter squares you want to refer to. Um, and so you do a what three words for exactly the table you're going to meet at or exactly the corner of the very large park you're going to meet at. Yes, this is a good solution that non-nerdy people know about. Yeah, clearly. If I just put three words into the location field, it's not going to cause any problems. I wonder if you can put a link into a Facebook location field. Like, could I put a link to the what three words map in the where is this event happening field? Hmm. I wonder how well Facebook sanitizes their inputs. Because then... If if mm-hmm. it's not very good, you could just write some JavaScript 
and just like have it automatically open up their maps app and direct them to where you want them to go or broadcast their location and you go to them that's smart like a like a share my location thing but it's not optional exactly all right i dig it these are all very good um very useful bits of feedback So that there is some useful feedback, but if um, you had like a microphone and some speakers and that was providing you feedback, that would not be useful feedback. That would be a systematic problem. Right, right. And so in that case, you would need to change up your system. So Certus, if you're getting unhelpful feedback, maybe what you need to do is change up your system for this upcoming semester. Okay. Therapy it is. Um, okay, so we're talking about themes. Right. If, if we look at my summer, mm-hmm. and we tried to analyze it and look for uh, potential issues, potential problems with this system, uh, we might see things like, I haven't looked at my to-do list in a very long time. Mood. That is an issue. And one way to solve that is to look at, look at it more. Look at the to-do list more. Right, just make a make an OmniFocus project to look at your to-do list. <laughs> or, or, you know, like make it part of a routine in the coming semester. Right. But there's a reason I haven't been looking at the to-do list. It stresses you out. Uh, I don't appreciate being read <laughs> on the podcast, Zach. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah, but like, why does it stress me out? Like, we can keep whying our way back to like physics i think okay or like whatever fundamental childhood trauma sure yeah <laughs> the two basic forces <laughs> <laughs> but what we find i think what i have found at least in analyzing this has been that i have a very fancy to-do list because it makes it easier for me to not have to remember all of the things i have to do and right if I did have to do that, if I had to keep it all in my brain, then I would be thinking about it more, and thinking about it more makes me stressed out. Okay. So the to-do list allows me to deal with what is essentially one thing at a time. Right. That's kind of like the whole point of like the getting things done ideology, isn't it? Yes, that is d- definitely the point. But it has made me want to not deal with things... In cases that are not to do a bowl. Okay. So, like, things that can't fit in the system just get ignored? Yeah. And that's not ideal. Right. So, I guess the solution is either to become better at... Okay, I suppose there's solutions. Uh, one is to find a way to integrate those things into my to-do system. Okay. Which isn't the worst option but i don't at some point you can't systematize everything in your life right some things some things just happen and they aren't like schedulable either right like sometimes your friend just comes to you and is like hey i need a a friend right now and you're like i gotta i gotta do my weekly review for my weekly reviews yeah i have to start time tracking hold on (laughs) if i if i have to keep those kinds of things in my head then I feel like I have to be dealing with them because that's how I've been training myself. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, 
your to-do system says this is what we're dealing with right now and that's so that so that's the thing in my head and that's the thing that's getting de- dealt with right but that's not true for all of the things that i have to keep in my head would you be able to take like to give me an example of what it is that you can't or right now aren't able to put into your system okay so i've been reading a lot of philosophy like uh not like textbooks, but like essays and whatnot. Okay. And while I certainly could put read that in my in my to-do list, it's not really what I want because I don't want it to be a chore. I want it to be kind of a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. And this is that's. I guess I'll 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 hear out your your three things, but um, I've been thinking about what to do with that kind of thing for me as well. So. Okay. I also have some thoughts. So yeah, I really don't want to put that in a to-do list because it, like, I don't know, gives me joy mm-hmm. without the to-do list. But I've been trying to keep in mind, but, I, but I've been doing the opposite of the desired effect by not putting in my to-do list by constantly thinking would now be a good time to read that book. And not in a, like, ooh, I can't wait to read that book in a, like, have I met the, the quota kind of way. Okay. So, so like, part of the enjoyment is the anticipation, which you wouldn't be feeling as much if it was a, a no. checkbox? No, 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 no. Um, the opposite of that, actually. I, I enjoy doing it, but I don't automatically think, like, oh, I have a spare minute, or not a spare minute, but, like... I'm not really doing anything right now. Let me go read the philosophy philosophy book. I don't do okay. that. So normally my my solution would be to put it in a to-do list and have it like, okay, I don't I'm not doing anything right now. What could I be doing? And then I look at the to to-do list and read the book is in there. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to do that because I want it to be kind of fun. I don't want it to be like a thing that we I want it to be a fun thing. I don't want it to be a to-do list thing. So, what I've been doing is just kind of keeping it in my mind. Right. And by doing that, I have been worrying about whether I have, for lack of a better term, met the quota. Mm-hmm. So, that, that's my issue. Does that make sense? So, this is going to be through the lens of the things that I've been thinking about also. Okay. Um, but you have things that you enjoy doing, but forget to do despite enjoying them because they aren't in your system and because you've been training yourself to do things out of the system yes that's the long and short of it and so there are three three ways you could handle that and i'm not sure what those three ways are okay the three ways are to put the things in system right which i don't want to do because that would make it feel less enjoyable yeah i think so i yeah i I, i'm gonna back you up on that i also think so the second option is to keep it, and this is what I've been doing, is to keep it in my mind. Keep it right. like in mind when deciding what I'm doing. And okay. I've been reading a lot of philosophy. I have been like, and, and enjoying it. I have been mm-hmm. like doing that, but it creates this worry about whether I am doing it good enough. Or am doing it enough? Am I fulfilling my quota of enjoyment? Because it's just in your head and not in your system? Yeah, because I can't... I, I d- have trained myself to not trust my brain. Okay. So, 
The third option, and this is more along the lines of our themes, is to divorce myself a little bit from the to-do system. Gotcha. Make it less of a thing in my life. Make it so that I can trust my brain again. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Because I sincerely, like, don't think that I legitimately can trust my brain. Yeah. Because it's bad at what it does. I think it's good at what it it does. It's just it wasn't, like, made for keeping track of every item on a syllabus. (laughs) Yeah. So... I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, like, is there a happy medium that I am missing? Um, I'm going to first tell you something someone else told me to do, and I told them, that's dumb, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> Which is, trust your brain for a lot of the, the minutia of, like, what thing should I be doing at 9 a.m. this morning? And then trust, like, an actual physical paper planner for when your classes are and when the exams are and what the due dates are. Okay. Which I think there would still be uh, a system of like, hey, remember that this thing is due on this day, but there'd be a lot less minutia to it than 880 OmniFocus projects. Hmm. What kind of like minutia are you talking about? Um, like deciding when to do things or what things are the things to do today. Let your brain decide that. But it's so bad at that. Well, okay. I have one other idea, which is... Leave a, a lot of the things in your OmniFocus, big OmniFocus list, and put all of the things that you just kind of like idly want to do for fun in a paper book. So for me, this is like all of my projects and all of the things that I'm like, I'm going to make a video about bridges. Um, and I, you know, decided I was going to do that three years ago and look at me and all my bridges videos. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what you're known for. <laughs> and having that be in my OmniFocus system, kind of like you're saying, it makes it feel like it's a chore now. And it's, it's not. That's not the point. The point is just to be there as an idea that I can go back to if I'm feeling bored and want to make a bridge video. Here's all of my collected information. But like, worrying bugs is a thing that has a deadline, or all of my classes have deadlines. And those are the kind of things that make sense to go into Todoist. But like you said, you haven't made the bridge videos yeah is the idea that you derive more enjoyment still from not having done them than having them be a chore what do you mean by that i mean it's great that they're not a chore but they're also not done or probably even started yeah i want to do things yeah sure (laughs) but does it matter if that's Making your website more indie webby or b- making a bridge video or whatever the thing is? Does it matter? No. But also, neither does. It, like, that doesn't matter in the same way that, like, school doesn't matter. It, like, in a, like, um, nihilist kind of way. Okay, then in a nihilist, in a not nihilist kind of way, why does it matter? <laughs> because I like doing it. Okay. And so you like doing, I'm saying if you've got some free time and you want to do a project, does it matter if it's bridge video or make a website or whatever? Yes, because a lot of the enjoyment from doing these projects comes from finishing it and like having a thing you can like show to people. 
Okay. Like, you can just do the bridge research and know things about bridges, but you want to make a bridge video because it's a finished product. It's a thing you can not show off necessarily, but be proud of. That's fair. But, like, we talk about in programming a lot the 90-10 rule, where the last 10% of a project takes 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it applies to a lot of things, even not programming related, because like those finishing touches, they take so long and they're so my the minutia of it is so um, just like there's always more things you can do and knowing when to stop is difficult. But that's not my point. My point is that that first 90 percent that takes 10 percent of the time is like that because it's the most fun. Right. So if I have seven projects that are all 90% of the way there, in a way, you're right. There's nothing saying that I have to finish these projects, but at the same time, I do want to finish them. Okay, then finish them. But but it's not fun at the end, or in the middle, or whatever. Okay, then it sounds like you don't want to finish them. But I do want to finish them. I, rather, I want them to be done. Okay. Then be done with them. But the 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 checkboxes aren't checked, Zach. Right, that's why you don't put them in checkboxes. But if I don't put them in checkboxes, how will I know what to do? This is a conversation I had with myself like two days ago, so I, I very much understand where you're coming from, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the words that I am saying out of my own mouth. But I like I do think there is validity to just saying, like, if that project is as done as your brain is going to get it, it's not going to... Like, just cost-benefit. I enjoyed researching the bridges. This is this is all theoretical. I haven't yet researched the bridges. And I enjoyed, like, thinking about how to structure the thing. And that creative challenge was the more important part to me than the, like, putting it out and having 12 people on YouTube be like, wow. Okay, let me give you another example. Okay. Do you remember the project that I bleeped out of a previous episode? Yeah. So, that project is like... 10% of the way there. It okay. didn't take very long, and I could make it much better. But I'm not doing that. Right. Because, well, I suppose because I'm doing this, or I'm reading philosophy books, or I'm getting ready for school. Yeah. Or doing my jobby job. But it's still a thing I want to do. Okay. But it's never like, it's never going to be the first thing I think of. Yeah. So how can that project get done or get even to a point where I feel like I can stop working on it? Because right now it's just like in this like glob of, yeah, it's in this glob of like thoughts in my head about like, like I'll have a thought about it. I'll like, oh, that's a really good idea for that project. I'll write it down. And because it's not in a to-do system, that never gets... Nothing ever happens with it. Maybe a fourth option that we aren't considering is to... Well, it's, it's, a, it's a continuation, maybe, or a, a fork in the first option, which is okay. to systematize more things. Right. If you treat school and, your, and the jobby job and philosophy books as hobbies, is there a significant downside to that? Hobbies don't have deadlines. School does. Jobby job does. Hobbies can have deadlines. Then you're a stronger person than I. Well, like, what about worrying bugs? Yeah. 
That's a hobby with a deadline. Sure. Okay. Is worrying bugs in your in your checkboxes? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm I'm still trying to find the language for the delineation that happens in my head, but there is like there's like a responsibility to this hobby or to school or to a jobby job that mm-hmm. there isn't to making a bridge video. Right. Is is there a is that necessarily a bad thing though? Responsibility. No. And can something that you're responsible for be I suppose a thing you enjoy? If you had to text me every night that you would read philosophy or give me $5. Those were the two options every night. Okay. Would you enjoy reading philosophy every time you did? Not every time. I think most times, but sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I'm not in the mood. Right. But do I have to enjoy my hobby every single time? Or rather, can I structure the hobby or really like the combination of how I spend my time in a way that allows me to only do things when I want to or when I feel like it, I suppose? Uh, The easy answer to that is no, obviously not. But maybe I, I feel like if I just change like one, one or two switches in my brain, like this could be a thing. This could be a thing I can do. Enjoy things when I do them. Like, only a few things need to change to get to that point. That's the way I feel, at least. Just, like, you're saying because you enjoy philosophy most of the time you read it. Why? What, what buttons do you need to push so that you enjoy philosophy every time you read it? Not quite. What, what, are, the, what are the buttons I need to push to enjoy enjoy philosophy and enjoy school enough or enough of the time with enough frequency to get all the school done and get the philosophy read yeah because occasionally i do i do like school and it doesn't feel like a a chore to do the homework right probably a little bit has to change on that end where i have to like enjoy school more frequently but is there a way to do things when i feel like it and have that be most of the time i'm doing things and if i can do that then it won't matter if i try to systematize the hobbies because i'll enjoy doing them regardless and i won't have to keep them in my head so you want to like ideal situation you get a computer in your skull that secretes the right chemicals hooked up to your omnifocus (laughs) (laughs) um I guess, like, if my OmniFocus computer brain, if my computer, if my chip, we'll say, mm-hmm. if my chip can make me enjoy doing whatever's on my OmniFocus next, that would be good because I can just enjoy all the things I want to do every single time. That feels Orwellian. But that's not what's happening. <laughs> I know. Okay, let's say I woke up today and I felt like reading philosophy when I woke up this morning. Right. I would like to have a structure so that I can wake up and read philosophy and not have it be a big deal. Because in previous semesters, if I woke up and did what I wanted to do instead of like school, that would be a problem. 
because I would not get the school stuff done. Okay. If I only did what I wanted to do. Right. I would like to be able to more frequently be doing what I want to do. Okay. So you can either do that by enjoying school more or enjoying school more frequently, or you can do it by uh like doing school less i suppose <laughs> uh okay but since i can't do that i would like to enjoy school more frequently okay and not just school but all my hobbies and then i would like to keep them all in an omnifocus so that i can not have to think about things i feel like i've been going on for a while am i making any sense um you're making sense in that i understand what you're hoping for but you're not making sense in that I'm not sure how any of it is going to come to fruition. By uh, putting a chip in my brain connected to my OmniFocus. Okay. I'm going to say again, that sounds Orwellian. It sounds like it would work if it worked, but... I think if I did a semester of effort type regimen, I could get something like this working. In that... Like Pavlov yourself into... Not Pavlov necessarily, but like what I did with the year of effort was, or semester of effort was to really notice when I was being unnecessarily lazy. Okay. Like, uh, I really don't feel like putting this dish away. I'll do it in the morning. Mm -hmm. Noticing that pattern and changing it to, oh, well, I don't feel like doing this, but it's really not a big deal, so I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, yeah. And that worked pretty well. Just, like, noticing yourself, being mindful. And don't get me wrong, it's not a semester that I want to repeat, because, like, a lot of the times, even though it wasn't actually a big deal, it, like, still wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I just was not, like, sad, but, like, not as happy doing the effort. Mm-hmm. I guess the pattern of behavior I'm trying to change is, okay, time to get things done. What are the things we are getting done? Open the OmniFocus. See a list of probably schoolwork. <laughs> That's just generally, like, that takes up the most resources. Right. Seeing that, and instead of going, all right, I guess I'll do that, but going, all right, time to learn, or whatever. Okay. And just, like, making a conscious effort to shift your mindset about it? Yeah, and, like, try to find the joy, I suppose. Yeah. As much as I talk about, like, just being here for the piece of paper at the end, mm -hmm. that's not entirely true. Like, I actually kind of do like this sometimes. <laughs> it's just when it gets, like, super stressful and I don't want to do it anymore, then I really feel like I want to stop doing it. But if I don't want to stop doing it if i if it doesn't make me feel that way it's not a big deal or it has the potential to not be a big deal so okay. i suppose i'm going to call this semester the semester of joy all right or semester of joyful responsibility i think joy sounds nicer yeah but it's not like i'm not just making myself happier i am trying to make my responsibilities make me happy okay so, maybe abbreviated semester of joy. Mm hmm I think if you happen to find moments of joy in other things, uh, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Agreed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad I got to go on the entire journey of that with you. 
Yeah, yeah, I uh, I did not have that planned out before we started talking, so. <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot about, I told you I was trying to keep track of like a paper list of the things I wanted to do today specifically. And part of that was that my, my system got overwhelming. And some of that was because I was trying to put checklists on things that I wanted to just enjoy. And so that's kind of a different issue apart from the theme, but something I'm going to try to keep thinking about. But as I was trying to keep that paper list, I was realizing that one of the biggest issues with it is it wasn't like integrated into the way that I did my morning. And that there's actually a lot of things that I do like that, that if I was more conscious about the way that I treat this time or that time, it would be easier is probably the best way to put it. And it would make like more sense. It would go more smoothly. Okay. So I was thinking maybe a semester of routines would be nice. But at some point, my partner pointed out that it, it's not just like the routine of, I don't know, routine sounds so mundane, very humdrum. So I'm shooting for a semester of rituals. Okay. Okay. Semester of rituals. That sounds... Um, it's not Orwellian, but it's something. Yeah. It's kind of like witchcrafty. Uh-huh. Um, and there, there are aspects of it that are more routine-y. Like I want to think about the way that I get up in the morning and the basically uh, I have an hour and a half to get from bed to school most mornings. And if I don't treat most of that with a lot of intentionality, there's no like wiggle room. Right, right. You dig? Yeah. And kind of the same with the wind down ritual. I might want to be a little more like Because one thing that happened in the past when I've tried to have a wind down ritual before I go to bed was to say, like, this is going to start at 10 p.m. And I have an hour to do this chunk of things. Um, But maybe being a little more aware of sometimes I don't actually start it until 1030. And if I start at 1030, maybe, you know, meditating for 20 minutes and then changing into my pajamas isn't quite as important. I can just brush my teeth and get into bed. Hmm. Okay. And have, yeah, like have some, some awareness of what those important things are. Um, but also it doesn't have to be tethered in time. Like a ritual can be something like, I'm feeling particularly stressed right now and I want to like make sure that I'm on top of my, my systems. I want to make sure that there's not something from a syllabus that I'm forgetting or there's not, my to-doist is un, unmanaged. Um, and that I can just be like, okay, it's, it's, it's clean my head ritual time. And it doesn't have to be a, a full moon. So I suppose like, I know personally when I'm stressed out, when, I'm, when I have too much to do, mm-hmm. I really don't like to like, like, for example, stay on top of emails. Yeah. Because it like, you never get any good news over email. It's always either spam or uh, more things for you to do. Right. So when I'm feeling stressed out, I don't, it would be very difficult for me to do something like that. Do you feel similarly? Sort of. Um, And that's something I started thinking about last semester without being able to put it into words. But like I took emails off of what was then like a a Saturday checklist. And so I took emails off of that because I realized it wasn't, it didn't fit with all of the like, make sure I'm on top of Todoist kind of things. And because I have two different email accounts and one of them I get all of my job and school related things and one of them is just personal and it doesn't make sense for me to say i'm stressed and then scroll through eight humble bundle emails it just like doesn't doesn't compute yeah Um, yeah 
And so scrolling through Humble Bundle emails is not part of my Saturday clean up my brain checklist. And so it probably also won't be part of my Saturday here's how to make myself feel better ritual. Hmm. So what part of scrolling through your to-do list makes you feel better? Being on top of your to-do list, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it's a big part of it is just kind of knowing that the the amount of things there are in the next week, some of them aren't due. Some of them don't have due dates and I can just forget about them until later. And being able to sit down and kind of take time to say this is not high priority is useful to make me feel less overwhelmed. And some part of it is just that I have all sorts of things in my head and I don't, they, my head is not very good at keeping track of what all those things I have to do are. So I should put it in a system because I don't trust my head. Hmm. Okay. Um, and there's probably a lot more things that it, it can extend to. Probably I could have a, lo- a lot of things that fit with like the checklist manifesto kind of thing could map onto rituals and maybe some couldn't. Like I wouldn't want an airplane ritual um, the way you would want an airplane checklist, but a part of getting ready for the podcast is like centering myself and feeling like I know what I'm about to talk about. And that's more just sitting and thinking about the thing and much less a checklist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. I wasn't with you, but now I am. I, okay. I, I feel like I understand. So that's, that's my semester. Is going to be the semester of rituals. Cool. cool. I also like vaguely remember an app and I searched a little bit and I couldn't find it. Um, but I used to use it in high school and it had really nice visuals. And it was just you like hit a button when you woke up in the morning and it would say, good morning, time to drink some water. And then you would say, yes, I have had some water. Um, and then a week of you, a week later, if you said, yes, I've had water every one of those mornings, it would say, good morning, time to drink some water. And then you would drink some water and then you would say yes. And it would say, great. Now I'm going to introduce you to the concept of meditation and we're going to meditate for five minutes. Oh, okay. That's kind of And cool. you say, yes, I have done that. I cannot find the app. I don't know where it is. But I, I think that that would be something to consider for, for rituals and especially for the, the morning ones and the, the nighttime ones, um, but also for the like time to sit down and clear off my desk and go through my emails and double check my receipts and all those things um, could just as well be put into uh, something similar like that. Okay, yeah. I like that a lot. I predict you will have success with that because it sounds cool. So, Zach, uh, is there any part of your ritual that is for perhaps your health? Yes. Hopefully a, a lot of it is for health. <laughs> okay. Uh, more specifically, your nutrition. Mm. I mean, yeah. Presumably, if, if I'm planning out my whole morning, a part of that is going to be breakfast. And I know, like, we've been talking about uh, your love-hate relationship with dairy. And right. we have a ongoing theme in this podcast talking about dairy alternatives. Mm-hmm. Usually we talk about almond milk and your fancy almond milk, your barista almond milk. Right. Yeah, that is a, a common topic. But I see here in the show notes that that has changed. Right. Well, as I am a um, well-known dairy alternative reporter uh, here with my dairy alternative journalism, I figured I would keep you guys updated on all of the dairy alternative milks that I am seeing currently on the market. 
One that I just recently got the opportunity to try was Silk's Oat Milk. Um, mm. Longtime listeners might remember that a while ago I had uh, many kinds of oat milk in from the brand Oatly uh, when I was living in Sweden. Unfortunately, Oatly is not available in grocery stores in the U.S., and a lot of the variations of Oatly are not available in the U.S. at all. Oh, okay. So... Silk, I, I think, is typically a soy brand. Correct. I believe silk stands for soy milk. Oh, wow. I did not put that together. <laughs> so so uh, are they rebranding to oilk? O- oilk. I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. So I, I don't know. I tried it. it. I have a pretty high bar for my milk replacements, and this silk oat milk does not meet it. Did the Oatly meet it? Oatly did meet it. And okay. Oatly also, um, so I got this because I'm going to be making oatmeal bars for the start of the semester so that I can get up in the morning and just eat an oatmeal bar and not have to worry about cooking. Hmm. And so I figure oat milk, oatmeal bar can all just kind of mash together into one big, uh, you know, one giant carb. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So I, I got this oat milk so I could hopefully cook with it. It's. It's not like the Oatly, which Oatly manufactured an oat milk specifically for cooking. This is just oat milk, and it's not as good as the Oatly. It's like, it's gritty and a little bit bitter. Hmm. Um, the mouthfeel is like a, maybe a 4 out of 10. Um, but it made okay hot chocolate when I made some hot chocolate. So if you're in dire straits and you can't drink regular milk and you can't drink oatly and you can't drink almond milk and you can't drink soy milk actually it's probably on par with soy milk silk oat milk is acceptable but not great okay we've been drinking various almond milks Mm -hmm. none of which i've been a particular fan of because i'm uh i never think about amazon when thinking about where to get my oat milk or my almond milk right so maybe that's a thing I do in the future because I've not tried your fancy barista almond milk and have been fairly disappointed with pretty much everything from a grocery store. Do you have a, a Whole Foods or a Fresh Time market near you? Uh, Kind of near me, but it's not like Whole Foods is not a place that I shop at because it is... I probably could walk there, but I don't want to when mm-hmm. like grocery stores are either closer or less expensive other places that's fair so like i could go to whole foods for just this one thing of almond milk but i don't particularly want to i think they do prime now delivery so if you have an amazon prime account you can prime now it right to your home okay i might do that just to try a really good almond milk I would strongly recommend it. Okay. I, I really do not believe there's any, any oat milk or any dairy alternative in general that can hold a candle to the new barn barista almond milk, unless you're allergic to almonds. Or maybe I just have to switch my thinking. I have to try to enjoy the bad almond milk better, mm. more. Find the joy in the grit. Find the joy in the grit. Oat milk. As I've established, this this oat milk in particular, at least, is gritty. Do you know what else is gritty? Grits. Philadelphia's hockey mascot. Uh, is that the orange boy? Yeah, that's gritty, the orange boy. Okay. 
And so now Philadelphia's hockey team is not doing anything with the blockchain. But Philadelphia's <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia's basketball team very soon just well might be. Welcome to another episode of Doom Blockchain Squad. <laughs> okay, what what does a basketball team do with the blockchain? So this is a whole big grab bag of all of the things that the NBA has been doing with blockchain recently. The National Basketball Association? Yes. Basketball? Bastic? 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 Bastic ball. We got, uh, there's some teams and you can pay for your tickets in Bitcoin. That's kind of standard. That's uh, laissez-faire. That's just kind of run-of-the-mill blockchain stuff at this point. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's a currency. You pay with currency. Right. There's a team and they're offering scholarships by mining Ethereum in their stadium because they have a big old data center in their stadium to provide all of the (laughs) the video stuff. And so now they're also mining Ethereum in their data center in the stadium. And they're going to use that to give scholarships to people. Uh, but, Um, but, but, But everyone knows that by mining Ethereum, you can just generate infinite value. But, but Zach. Yeah. Okay. Mining Ethereum takes electricity. Right. Does, do they not pay for the electricity? My guess is they do pay for the electricity. But, so how are they gonna make money? Yep. Okay. Continue. Oh god, okay. Yep. And uh, the NBA is coming out with something called Top Shot, uh, which is blockchain souvenirs. What does that even mean? Uh, from what I can tell, because the, the website is not super clear, so I had to look at a Yahoo Finance article about it. It never is. Okay. Um, they, they're going to be like collectible cards that you can get of, of the people, except they have video. <laughs> and like they're going to keep track of ownership via the blockchain. Yep. To quote the <laughs> Yahoo, each video clip will be labeled as a number to mark it distinct. Okay. So... Are they making their own blockchain for this? Um, They have not yet announced, but chances are it's going to be on Ethereum because it's made by the people who do CryptoKitties. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. This is the way the world is going. Yep. Okay. So, Zach. Yeah? Is there a way that we can, like, make this better in general, the situation that we're in? Like... Can Bitcoin, is there a way that we can have a cryptocurrency that doesn't use more electricity than Denmark? Probably not, because I think Denmark is just going to keep on using less electricity. (laughs) All right, well, just, you know, I'll start mining Ethereum then, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I think like ethical cryptocurrency just is, it, it doesn't work. How... Can it, though? Is there a universe in which it does work? Like a, a um, fall kind of, Neil Stevenson kind of thing? I know just about as much about cryptocurrency as you. Probably less, because I've been learning about it from Yahoo Finance. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I'll add it to my OmniFocus. Okay. Just make, yeah, make an OmniFocus project. To uh, make an ethical cryptocurrency. All right, now the, now the article veers away from uh, grounded fact of what NBA is doing into just wild speculation. What if all of the different NBA teams had their own cryptocurrency? 
Why? And you could pay for your tickets with your your NBA team cryptocurrency. No. Um, but also you could gamble in the arena with your cryptocurrency because it uh it isn't American dollars, so they can't make as many rules about it. No. <laughs> God. Oh God, that's such a good idea too. What if you could also buy merch uh with that same cryptocurrency? Okay. And also, um, this is bad, Zach. Quote, with the blockchain technology, organizations could better understand the ways in which fans interact with their product, which is no. just a really fun way of saying they can track you now. Why? Got to get the ROI. Got to get the clicks, the CPMs. Who cares how the fans are interacting with your merch? Mark Cuban, you were saying there were some problems with this? <sighs> no, I'm not. That's the, that's the issue, is that that's a totally valid thing, and like it makes actually pretty good business sense to do, because all you have to do is do a um what was the the big uh currency exchange for Bitcoin when it was super big? Uh, Mt. Gox. Uh, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Doesn't matter. Basically, all like so you just need to make like Gritty the Gritty website in which you you pay real American dollars and exchange them for gritty bucks. Okay. Minus 5%. And the organization just pockets that 5%. And then, boom. They can do whatever they want. They can gamble with it or whatever because people like to gamble. And there's no, like, there's no downside for the organization. But there right. is a downside for, like, the planet. Correct. So that's why I say it's a bad thing. Because the motivations are there, but the responsibility is not. Yeah. So someone needs to invent an ethical blockchain real, real fast so that we don't destroy everything via blockchain. Okay. I'll get right on that. Yeah, no. All, if, I think if the Worrying Bugs army, if the Jareds all uh-huh. add that to their OmniFocus, we can get it done. Okay. Yeah. I'll make a GitHub. Yeah. Everyone just submits pull requests. Mm-hmm. Smart. I like, I like how you're thinking. I think you're, you're taking the time to find some positivity in this. Find the joy in the rapid destabilization of the Earth's climate by oh, Zach, gambling you know on what? sports games. You yeah. know what we could do? Yep, go just, ahead. Here we go. I got it. So we can't trust Microsoft, right? Like, that's right. just a bad idea. What we can do instead of using GitHub is to make a blockchain for this project. Oh. And it's had people submit through the blockchain and the more Okay, and so instead of pull requests, you just need 50% of the people to approve your change. Right. And if you if you do a good change, something that gets us closer to an ethical blockchain, you get you get Jared bucks. Jared coin. Mm. And that way we're motivated to have an ethical blockchain. Right. Right. Yep. Okay. I'm all for it. It's it's in my it's in my to do list. It's in my omni focus. Also, just in case you weren't all blockchained out, um, there's a blockchain fitness app now. Um, what does that even mean? I know you're going to tell me, but like, if it doesn't mean anything to me immediately, why does it exist? They've teamed up with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, that's a sports. Yeah, it's a it's an NBA team. Okay, from Dallas. Um, to quote the beginning of the article. People can now start building a nice financial nest egg just by working out. Mm, okay. So every time that you work out, they reward you with a proprietary crypto token. I believe it's called Limpo Tokens because that's the name of the app. Limpo. 
Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, is quoted saying, because you literally can earn limpo tokens, which in turn can be exchanged for others. Other limpo tokens? I don't know. The only other thing that said what you could exchange limpo tokens for just said it can be exchanged for merchandise. Okay, well, um, I need that for, like, textbooks. Like, if I read textbooks, then they'll give me more textbooks. Okay. I would do that. Mm-hmm. McPherson token. Yeah, because textbooks are expensive. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this sounds like a closed system. As far I don't as, know what you're talking about. As you, far as money can, goes? You can exchange the merchandise for US dollars. Right. So I can, I can get some tokens by working out, mm-hmm. and they will just hand me some tokens. Yep. You know, from their infinite store of tokens that they just have. That's how blockchain works. And then I'll, I'll get those tokens, mm-hmm. and then I'll go exchange them for merchandise. And then I'll have a thing, because I didn't do anything, which I'm pretty sure uh, is why Venezuela's money is worth nothing now. <laughs> okay, so Zach. Yes. I have an idea. Okay. We purr to them. Okay? Okay. All we have to do is work out a lot and then hoard the tokens. Eventually, the computing power required to maintain that system will be too expensive for the Mavericks to continue. Mm -hmm. And that'll show them that this is a bad system that doesn't work. Oh, okay, we don't purr to them, we ape them. Yes, yes, that's what I meant, yeah. So we just flood their system with workouts and well, never spend them. See, an important aspect of the ape system, though, was that anybody could fire one up. Yeah, exactly. We just need everyone to not buy merchandise. Right, we need to, to start working out ourselves, but we also need to freely distribute workout guides so people will understand how to work out um, so we can... Over, overload the limpo system. I want to know what kind of verification they have that you actually worked out, because you can definitely game that. Yeah. Yep. I didn't look very far into it, because I don't know where they're getting any of the money that they're using uh, to do any of their things. Sports ball. It Sports d- ball has a lot of money, I think. I don't... It, it doesn't seem like it's a Dallas Mavericks thing. It seems like it's a Lithuanian blockchain thing. And then they were like, hey, Dallas Mavericks, do you want to also do this with us? Oh, okay. Okay, well, you know, let's, uh, let's get really, really fit. Yeah. In order to destabilize the blockchain economy. Yep. Financial nest egg just by working out. <laughs> what does that mean? Just funnel your tokens into a 401k. I guess. Because they're exchangeable for money, definitely. Right. Well, no, they're not. Ex- they're exchangeable for others. Yeah, others. Others. I would like to talk about something else now. This is giving me <laughs> brain, brain hardy. So if I wanted to, um, wanted to deal with all of the thoughts that uh, the blockchain for the fitness app that can help you start a fin- financial nest... <laughs> If I wanted to process that, um, I could make an OmniFocus project for it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just break it down to really small steps. That's uh, yeah. always the way to deal with everything. And so we talked about how, how if we made an OmniFocus project for something, it might be nice, um, based on my experience playing Minecraft, uh, to... <laughs> 
uh, to to have some like some checkboxes, and then those checkboxes correlate to getting meaningless physical or not physical, getting meaningless digital currency um, to help me fill out more checkboxes. Right. But I've realized through my further experience of playing Minecraft that maybe another aspect of what makes that so enjoyable is that I have uh, robots to get me other robots. Right. So there's a mechanic in the game where you can load all of your stuff into uh, this big machine, and then you can tell it to build you stuff from the stuff you loaded into it. You can say, hey, I gave you a bunch of copper. Can you make me a bunch of copper wire? And it will say, yeah, sure. Let me get right on that. Or you can uh, say, hey, I gave you a bunch of stuff. Here's what I need for you to um, to make for me so I can get the next checkbox. And it will say, yeah, sure, let me get right on that. Or it will say, well, sure, I'd love to get on that, but I need some Chrome before I can do that. And you say, yeah, sure. So anyway, I think that what I need to do is to set up a system that can look at the resources I have available to me and figure out how to turn those into robots that check off my checkbox checklists. Okay. Is this like homework robots? No. Okay. Maybe. This is the this is the meta robot that buys the homework robots or builds the homework robots. Yes. Right. Okay. You, uh, Zach. This seems really abstract. I tell it I want a homework robot, and it says, "Okay, I need a bunch of copper," or "Okay, I need twenty dollars to go spend on Amazon." And I say, here you go, robot acquiring robot. Give me a homework robot. Here's some limpo tokens. Limpo tokens. Here's some limpo tokens. Go get me some merch or other. Give me some other. Give me some other. But it also needs to be smart enough to say, well, you don't have $20 right now to spend on a homework robot. um, But next time you do have $20, I will go ahead and spend that for you on a homework robot. Okay, Zach, can you give me like a example here because i don't think robot homework robot is really in the cards okay uh if you can't tell this gamification series is mostly just me saying damn minecraft is really fun but real life isn't how can i make real life more like minecraft and the answer is you can't but i think the I, i disagree i disagree that you absolutely cannot make real life more fun okay um well, so like something I know I want to get is a, a smartwatch. Right. And for me to have that smartwatch, I need to have resources that I can turn into a smartwatch. Right. And so I want a robot to monitor my resources and tell me when my resources are such that I can get a smartwatch or perhaps just do it for me. Go get the smartwatch. So you can totally do that, though. Right. But that's not the fun part. No? No. Okay, what's the fun part? The fun part is when it can figure out what resources... I need to get to the smartwatch. Okay, but somewhere in the Minecraft robot, someone had to tell it what resources are required for what things. Yeah, I tell it. Right. I train it on how to make all the the things into the other things. So why doesn't that apply to real life? Because I am not going to forge a smartwatch with my two bare hands. Right, but you can, like, tell a robot to look at your bank account and say, when I have enough money for rent, food, and a smartwatch, buy the smartwatch. Yeah. That kind of seems like fun. I suppose. Do you think you would use it? Also, what's a good name for it? Mm, okay. I would not use it, I think, because that's not how I think about my resources. Valid. But I can imagine someone who does think about the resources like that. 
And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to think about your resources like that, as if okay. they were copper and chrome and whatnot. As far as names, do you have a project code name yet? No, because this is purely something that I said, hey, Minecraft is fun, and then put into the doc here. Okay. May I propose Project Notch? On uh, the grounds that it's, it's fun like Minecraft, the game that Notch invented? Yes. Okay, so we've got Project Notch. What's the robot called, though? What does the robot mean to you? Uh, freedom. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of other um, lofty words, and I can't. The next one that was coming off of my tongue was frugality, and that's not what it represents at all. Stewardship. Stewardship is the responsible use of the appropriated resources. So Stuart. Stuart. Stuart the, the, the smartwatch robot. <laughs> he just buys me infinite smartwatches. Only when you have the resources, though. <laughs> well, I mean, until, until uh, at some point, Stuart has the ability to start making paperclips, in which case then I have infinite smartwatches. Perfect. Should Stuart have eyes? I mean, what would Stuart use it for? Just looking around, seeing what resources are available. Okay, but... So, so no. But no, I'm just thinking, like, should Stuart be something that sits on my desk also? Mm, no. Like one of those little Anki robots that, that zooms around and makes sure it doesn't fall off of ledges and that kind of thing. Uh, it, I don't think that serves any particular purpose, Zach. But it also tells me how close I am to owning a smartwatch. It's like a crafting monitor with eyes. Right, but you could just have a little Raspberry Pi with a screen. Right. It doesn't have to move or be able to see you while connected to the internet. But I could display screens. No, I could display eyes on the screen. Okay, as long as it doesn't actually have to see you. I think uh, LCD eyes for no particular reason could be kind of whimsical and fun. Okay. Okay, let's say that you made a robot that watches your bank account and when you have enough when you have the sufficient funds buys you a smartwatch. Okay. And like that's the game. The game is to make the robot happy by spending less and earning more. Well, no, the game is I want the checklist checked off. The robot is just there to help me in in the gamification of the checklist. Okay, so is the smartwatch on the checklist? Yes. Okay. It's I told you the checklist is not good. <laughs> That's the next that's the next step, bro, right? The the next step is t like the robot that makes robots to help you check your checklist. Run that fast me once again. Okay, so the first step is to make a robot for this specific task. Okay, the the robot buying robot? No. The smartwatch buying robot is the first step. Okay. Why is that one the first one? Because as like a as like a um Walk before you can run kind of thing. If we already know it's going to be the first one, then this one is not Stuart. This one is Adam. Okay. So you make Adam as like a test case. Okay. Okay. And as more like a template for Stuart, who is ne the next step. Because Stuart is going to look at your to-do list and make Adams, make instances of Adams mm -hmm. that help you check off your to-do list. And okay. now you have your robot making robot. All right. So I think first step is to make Adam to watch your bank account, and when you have sufficient funds, buy the smartwatch for you. Or like, okay. give you a little happy dingy symbol when you have mm -hmm. the sufficient funds, and then 
you buy the smartwatch or whatever, and then you can check that off your list. Part of the thing is I already know that I have the sufficient funds. It's just I haven't been able to try on the smartwatch. Um, so it, it doesn't really do me much good to know that I have the sufficient funds. So maybe smartwatch is not the best first test case. Okay, I would agree with that. But something to that effect should be your first run, and then you well, can make a robot that makes robots. So I've talked that. about the AnyBoard, and the AnyBoard is something that I need to purchase. Right. Anne is basically a robot in and of itself. I disagree. I think John Syracuse would also disagree. <laughs> is Siri a robot? I don't remember what the Syracusean definition of robot is. I know um, Roomba is the least robot robot. So like it needs to be able to ambulate in some way? I don't know. I think it. my guess would be that it has... I should just... There are 164 episodes. They went away from robots a while back and dang and started um classifying things in general okay i see pants yeah but like the early episodes are about whether things are robots or not i do remember that roomba was the lowest amount of robot you could make a robot and you can call it looks like they got up to episode 100 and they were like is that a robot battle bots small robot what about where's siri Battlebots are definitely not robots because they're not autonomous. You have to like control okay. them. I see see here's the issue. I'm pretty sure that this is um this is ground that has already been tread. Almost definitely. Stuart is? No. Whether or not Siri is a robot. Um What what are you trying well, to say? Well not Siri necessarily, whether or not Okay. Episode sixteen, Siri. It's only a minute long. I'm just gonna listen to it. Okay. Okay. John Syracuse says Siri is not a robot. Okay, on what grounds? I don't know. I didn't listen to the whole thing. He just said no. (laughs) (laughs) So if Siri's not a robot, then AnyBoard is not a robot. Yeah, I think you're right. Because AnyBoard is like Siri minus. Minus a lot of automation. (laughs) (laughs) So then my thing isn't a robot if it doesn't have wheels. It needs to be one of the little Anki things, or it's just a script. It's not a robot. I think that is... Okay, I don't think it needs to be a robot. I think that is not the part of this that you should be focusing on. (laughs) See, but what if I make Stuart too smart and it decides just to, like, go out and steal a robot that can get me self-actualization and not purchase it? This is assuming that I've added self-actualization to my Todoist. Right, okay. In that case, you have to, I think, weigh the benefits of self-actualization versus your guilt for having made a robot that steals things. Maybe the real self-actualization is returning the robot. Right. And maybe maybe Stuart knows that. Oh. Too smart. Stuart's too smart now. Should have never given him eyes. <laughs> I know... I think... I know that you're not actually planning to make any of these robots. Probably not. I guess... Why not? Uh, the, the thing that's fun about the Minecraft thing is that you can give it access to vast resources and say take all of these vast resources and make me a singular thing that i need and i cannot take Stuart and give him a copper mine uh but i can do that to the minecraft robot robot Hmm. and also you cannot construct a raspberry pi without like workers and that's not a thing that i i want to put Stuart in the control of okay and so it, then it would just be a it would just be a financial robot, and they already have those on Wall Street. So what what am I doing with that? Yeah, yeah, you need new ideas. 
Right. No idea is good unless it's 100% new and 100% yours. Mm-hmm. What if you were Stuart the whole time? Whoa, dude. <laughs> dude. Dude. Wow. Wow. Trials. <laughs> Zach, how stretchy are you? Uh, less probably than I was a fortnight ago. I, I stretched <laughs> once, maybe. Uh, the summer of trials. I think we did, like, we earnestly did, like, one of these trials. I earnestly did all of them but stretch. Really? Okay. That was just me then. Yeah. Okay. Why not stretch? I just forgot to. It wasn't part of my ritual. Mm. Hence the theme. Yeah. Okay. Did you stretch? Were you stretchy? I stretched a bit. Um, not as much as I should have to have really done this challenge well, this trial well. But uh, I think I am slightly more stretchy than I started with. Just kind of like while the water for the shower is warming up, I, uh, you know, stretched a little bit. That's smart. Important to add, add in something. Like add it, give it a trigger, and then give it a thing you do. Yeah. Yeah, write that down for the ritual robot. Right. Make oh, sure yeah, it... of course. I need a, a robot to write me rituals. Yeah, yeah. Just like, if it starts doing pentagrams, I, I think you should um, at least consider... Just consider... Not that you would ever deactivate it, but just consider Right. It. Yeah. Think about it. Think about it. Just think about it a I little bit could. more. Yeah. But think about it. Okay, okay. And that's that's it. That's the, the, the curtains close on the summer of trials. Really? No stretchier than we were when we started. Yeah. I, I mean, aren't we? The summer's over. I mean, yeah, but we have one more, don't we? Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so we got uh, we got an email from a lovely, a lovely Jared. Let me look up uh, their name right now. <laughs> Mail.google.com. All right, this is uh, from the wonderful Jared, Brittany Gaines, um, who wanted to let us know that um, she came across our page uh, where we mentioned smart home privacy and then copied a little bit of our website that does not mention uh, smart home privacy at all, um, but then wanted us to know that her website, which I'm not going to name here, um, just, you know, to maintain her privacy, is has created a thorough guide on protecting smart homes for from hackers. Um, so I think the two of us are going to be following this guide to protect our smart homes from hackers. Uh, Jared, if you want to protect your smart home from hackers, uh, you can email us at trials at superawesomecorp.com and we will give you this link. Um, I make no promises. Uh, Brittany, thank you very much for writing in. I really appreciate your very, very valuable feedback. Yeah, and we're doing, we're, we're uh, only giving out that URL on a case-by-case basis because we don't want to uh, flood Brittany's server with traffic. Right. We don't want to accidentally DDoS her, so we're just mm-hmm. going to get that out as, as uh, we get the requests. The Jared army would be too much for those puny, puny servers. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's just do a quick uh, IP lookup, and yeah, yeah, they don't have the kind of resources that we have oh, here yeah. in America, in in Russia. Right. Yeah, you'd end up DDoSing their IP, and that'd be a whole yeah. And we we don't want to get yeah yeah. All right, so listeners, we really appreciate really appreciate uh, your your trialing with us. 
uh, and trialing without us, you know, however you, you experienced your summer, that's a valid way to do summer. Summer's for the boys. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying anymore. We're going to move into book club. Uh, We're talking about Reem D's sequel, Fall or Dodge in Hell, (laughs) by Neil Stevenson. Um, We read up to the start of book two. So if you're up to that point with us, then listen in. Otherwise, listen out. I, I want to hear how many biblical references you picked up on. Oh, God. <laughs> um, probably not many. Um, if I did pick up on them, I didn't write them down. Okay. Um, there was definitely the Tower of Babel was in there. Yep. Um, they ate an apple from the Garden of Creation. Got that. Uh, those are, the, I think, the only ones. Oh, and then they started talking about angels. Um, this is not a biblical reference that was there, but I want it to be. Uh, bring, bring on the million-eyed wheels. What? Um, I think in Revelations, that one part of the Bible that's just like some crazy dude writing a lot. Um, he was like, the angels are, you know, there's the normal hierarchy of angels, but there's also the million-eyed wheels. And they don't look like humans. They look like million-eyed wheels. Hmm. Would that be like the the Pantheon? Uh, I don't know. I okay. just want there to be some. Presumably it would be from L's group because he's creating angels. Right. Okay. So I suppose the thing I am most interested in is how it works, which is weird. I basically I am like trying to speculate m- most of the time while reading this book I'm trying to speculate how in Neil Stevenson's head does this technology work okay like Dodge was more powerful than everyone in the beginning because he was there the longest and learned the most things about how to do th- how to work with the chaos and just like out of necessity had to right and the people who came in after uh what was um uh what was their terminology uh with the earthquakes uh it was magnitude yeah mag the mag one people they got a bit more powerful because again they were there for longer and they learned not necessarily out of necessity but i think there was just like more chaos in the world to draw from right so like they could make wings and stuff and it wouldn't be that weird mm mm-hmm. mhm and then, like, the rest of them came in, and they were just, like, they had a little bit of ability to shape themselves, but mostly they didn't. Right. They just did whatever their brain thought they should be. Uh-huh. And even more so once they started doing full body scans. Right. But then L comes in, L and his angels, and seems to have basically unlimited power over everything. Because his Perda is an admin? I don't think his Perda was an admin, though. So why, then, is he and his posse so big, so powerful? Is it just a like he went in with a good understanding of how it works? Perhaps. How to sh- but, like, how would you develop that? Because mm-hmm. the whole idea was up to then, nobody knew what... Like, nobody knew what their past lives were. Nobody could just drag information in except for Pluto, who was just about the only one who just popped out fully formed. Yeah, because Pluto had done the VR thing. Right. And tried to keep it in a short-term memory. 
And so maybe it's a combination of the Pluto VR thing and what they started talking about right at the end with Maeve um, and spending that little bit of time in that embryonic stage Hmm. that if they gave um, ample amounts of resources to that embryonic stage combined with, you know, all the other tools that he had at his disposal. But I still think things like opening up the locked room, I'm not sure how that happened. Right. I'm sure there's an explanation and we're going to hear it soon enough, but uh, I I can't like put in how that would work in terms of things we already know about the book. Mm-hmm. Also, Sophie is an admin and her Perda right. is an admin, so she could kill Dodge. Right. Or at least separate him from his Perda is basically what happened. Is that? That is my theory. Okay. So they... So when Sophie cut his head off, mm-hmm. uh, the the Meat World people, Meat Space, Meat Space people could no longer track Dodge by his Perda. Right. So my theory is that just like the Fates, she snipped his thread, his thread of consciousness. Okay. And but now instead of like when you, I guess the metaphor would be when you sleep, your thread of consciousness is broken but is retied after you wake up. Like, they connect afterwards. Right, yeah, it's the same thread, it's just there's a, a break in it, however you want to say it. Right. So now a new thread is forming that is not that. Not, not the same too. one. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be recognizable to the AIs that track the Perda. Right. And she's only able to do that because she has admin access, which seems like, uh, seems like she should be doing more with that ability yeah i think though before she died she was very afraid to see what she could do with admin access it seems like just from the rest of the story right um because she didn't want to muck anything up and so probably she isn't aware of what she has the power to do with admin access once she's inside Bitworld. okay yeah that makes sense i thought it was really interesting um i mean this is kind of a solved problem at this point but opens up interesting questions of um when l wanted the keys to kill dodge yeah or you know the ability to kill dodge not necessarily Mm -hmm. wanting to do it um and if he had killed him like would he be tried for murder that honestly i don't think so like realistically speaking Uh but i think that there would be uh significant like public like he's in his own country so like Mm -hmm. definitely not gonna be tried for murder but well but like the un could be like that's a a bigger crime than just yeah but also like does any authority of any government or the un or anyone have do they have the authority to to ban someone from getting their brain scanned and uploaded because that's like a weird distributed saint peter then is you're only allowed to get into heaven if you were what we define as a good person on earth right now. Ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. (laughs) There is no absolute morality. It's literally just what the prevailing justice system says is moral. Nope, that's not okay. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) But also, like, it's kind of, right now, at least in the story, it's basically whoever has the money. Yeah. Which is also not a good system. You just have to bribe St. Peter then. (laughs) Also, like, at some point, 
will Dodge and Springs children be able to die? So far, the only, like, death that has occurred is Dodge and the guy he hit with a lightning bolt. Good job on that prediction, by the way. Thank you. That was high quality. Uh, and whether or not that guy is dead... And plenty of bees. And plenty of bees. But whether or not that guy is dead in the way that we think about... Like, definitely he is dead in the way we think about it in meat space. But is his consciousness still there in the blockchain trying to reform, but having a more difficult time because... Mm -hmm. Well, like, does it just take longer the second time? Or has that guy reappeared? We don't really know because we're seeing everything from the perspective of Dodge, who can't be bothered to take inventory. (laughs) Right. So is that guy hit with a thunderbolt dead? Maybe. And is Dodge dead? Probably not, because we still have most of the book to go. (laughs) Or not most of it, but like... Half of it. Do you have any more very nice and accurate predictions for the next 500 pages? Uh, I'm going to cop out a little bit and say that Maeve gets wings. Okay. I'm going to say that because Maeve gets wings, Meat Space will be doing a lot more to try to get better bodies in Bitworld. Right. I think that they only told us about those protocols, the Mad God protocol and the... What's the other one? I forgot the name. The one that's loosely based on the uh, Do No Harm. Right. I think that's going to come into play. I think that. Mm-hmm. I think L's. I think L's gonna like. I think Dodge is gonna come back. L's gonna be not quite super happy with that, and they're gonna try to invoke the Mad God protocol and fail some in some way. Okay. That is uh my most like out there prediction. Yeah, I think that's I, that's reasonable though, just from the way that I know, or the way that this has gone so far, is that it it will backfire in their faces in some unexpected way yeah do you think book two is going to represent a more significant time jump than happened from like chapter one to chapter two um because that was you kind of fast forwarded through 30 years i think it will be such in Bitworld, but i don't think that it'll be super significant in meat space okay i think zulad's gonna be part of the equation or continue to be part of the equation. And so, uh, same with C+. Mm-hmm. So, like, within their lifetimes. All right. All right, what are we reading to next? I would like to read to the start of part 10, which for me is page 782. Cool. I'm so excited to keep reading. I just realized, <laughs> I, hit, I, realized I hit book two, and I was like, oh, really? Yeah, no, I got, I, like... The day after we recorded last, I read to like 50 pages before book two, and Uh I was like, nope, we're done. I'm going to save the rest of this until next week. All right. Well, it's been wonderful podding with you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.